Dr. Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute. I don't know if you're here today in a circumstance that's tough and unfair, you've been struggling with it, but I believe that all of us at one time or another face circumstances in life that we realize this just isn't fair. So what then? How should we respond when life isn't fair? Welcome back to the teaching of Pastor Mark Job on our program called Moody Presents. Dr. Job is president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and we're looking at the book of James, one of my favorites. Pastor Mark gets right to the point in a real-life story that has everything to do with our theme, when life isn't fair. I had a conversation with a woman not too long ago who looked at me and she said, my ex-husband is living with a woman who's 15 years younger in a condo downtown. She paused a little bit of resentment in her voice. He doesn't seem to have a care in the world. In the meantime, I'm struggling to make ends meet for me and my three kids. It just isn't fair. Or the conversation with the man who'd been working at a company for 20 years, thought he would retire at that company, and the company told him, you know, we're giving you the pink slip. And he had in his mind that the boss was firing him to hire a relative of the boss. He said, it just isn't fair. How many of you know that we live in a world that's not always fair? How many of you have asked yourself that question recently or said that statement, it just isn't fair? I believe that we all struggle with that, and I want us to look at Scripture in James chapter 5, who tells us really how to handle when life treats us unfairly. When unfair treatment comes our way, we can respond in a lot of different ways. What do you do when life is unfair? Some people withdraw into depression, feeling like life just isn't fair, it doesn't matter. Some people look to get even with those who have treated them unfairly. Others vow that they'll never be nice again because look where it got them. Some start thinking, well, I'm just going to cheat like the next guy cheats because it's a dog-eat-dog world. Some become cynical and hard-hearted, thinking it doesn't matter if I do good or not because life just isn't fair. Some spend their time grumbling and complaining about how terrible life is. Some slide into the miry pit of self-pity and isolation, licking their wounds and talking about how unfair life has treated them. So I don't know if you're struggling with some aspect of a world that's unfair, but the Apostle James is talking to believers that are experiencing a hard time economic difficulty, some persecution, and he's trying to tell them that life isn't always fair, but there's things that we can do. God has something to say to us about the unfairness of life. I'm going to begin reading in James chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 1. He says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of your misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded, their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. 
The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived in earth in luxury and self-indulgent. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rain. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble one against another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. There are five challenges that James gives to the believers when he addresses how to handle injustice or unfairness in life. And so if you're writing them down, write this down. Number one, watch out. Avoid the money trap. You know, one of the greatest areas of injustice we face is economic injustice. How about it? You may look at the world and say, it's just not fair that I'm struggling to pay my utility bills when someone on the Gold Coast downtown is trying to figure out whether they should buy their 10th summer home down in Florida. It's just not fair that some people have so much money they don't know what to do with and other people can barely pay to feed their children. The economic disparity is just not fair. James rails against the rich in this passage. It almost seems like he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder against the wealthy in this passage. But in reality, when you look at what he's saying, he's not railing against wealth for wealth's sake. He's saying that when the wealthy use their wealth to oppress the poor when they're not fair in their wages, when they do injustice, then that's the problem, that's the issue. Now I know that all of us who don't consider ourselves wealthy love these passages that rail on the rich. Yeah, those rich people. Yeah, the Bible talks about them. Doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? Actually, no. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And so, you see James railing against the oppression of the rich, and we want to raise our fist and say, yeah, go get him, James. However, can I remind you that the rich is a matter of perspective? You may be surprised to know that Most of the people in this auditorium come from households that by and large, worldwide, globally, we are the rich. You know, uh, statistics tell that. If, uh, If you are here, globally... If your income is $34,000 a year in your household or more, then you represent the 1% of the most wealthy people in the world. The average American household brings in $43,000, which means that the majority of Americans are among the 1% top richest people in all the world. You say, well, pastor, I don't consider myself wealthy. Probably not. 
If you live in Brighton Park, you probably look at South Barrington and say, yeah, they're the wealthy. But, but it depends on who you're comparing yourself to. I was in Nairobi, Africa, and had an opportunity to walk around the largest slum in Africa, one million people in a slum called Kibera. There's no running water. There's no electricity. And there's no plumbing. I looked at these, this vast, a housing project of little shacks and I asked the guy that was showing me around Cabrera I asked him well where do people go to the bathroom is there's no plumbing he pointed to the top of the roofs of these little shacks and he says see all those little plastic bags on the top of the roofs and there were literally thousands and thousands of little plastic bags that littered the top of the roofs and he says that's where they go they defecate in a plastic bag and then they throw it to the air and it lands on some roof so you can imagine the smell. The average salary of a person that works in Cabrera is a dollar a day. 50% of the people there are HIV positive. Another 50% of the people have malaria. They live at an extreme poverty like we've never seen. So for someone in Cabrera, when they look at you, they say, yeah. You are the rich. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're rich. Now tell them, I'm rich. We're listening to Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Our focus today is James chapter 5. It's a message Pastor Mark has titled, When Life Isn't Fair. You know, this is such a huge issue for me, for all of us which is why it makes so much sense for you to let others know about the straightforward Bible teaching that you enjoy every time you're with Pastor Mark. So why not send a text or email and encourage someone that you know, somebody who could benefit from this great teaching. Let them know where to listen to Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Now, here he is to conclude today's message. So James says, now listen, because economic disparity is one of our greatest issues when it comes to inequality. He says, now listen, to, listen, you rich people. He tells him, I want you to weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. These are wealthy people that have used their power and their resources to indulge themselves and have oppressed people who had little means to get ahead on their own. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. He's in essence telling wealthy people, hey, listen, what you trusted in is falling apart. Your clothes are being moth-eaten, your wealth is rotting, which is your grain, and your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. He's saying because you've lived in a wealthy life and oppressed the poor, that's coming back to condemn you. Listen to what he says next. He says... You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Now what James is saying is that there are certain types of injustice that cry out to God Almighty. There are certain types of sins that have a voice of their own, like a megaphone. And he's saying the wages of the people that you haven't paid or that you've underpaid, the wages of those people 
their wages are actually crying out to God and saying, God, bring justice. You look in the Bible and you see that there are certain times in Scripture where there are sins that cry out to God. For example, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, the very first murder recorded in Scripture is when Cain killed his brother Abel. Do you remember that? And the Bible says that God approached Cain, and the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, Why have you done this? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In other words, that the blood that was spilled by Abel... Abel's blood was calling out to God saying what? I don't know what the blood exactly was saying, but I believe the blood was saying justice. I'm calling unto God for justice. There are several passages in Scripture that refer to uh, our sins or injustice that cry out to God. And what James is telling the believers is don't ever believe that just because life is unfair, that God is not just. Life is unfair, but God is still faithful. Life is unfair, but in the end, God will still bring about judgment and justice to all individuals that live, even those that feel like justice is never coming their way. In this passage, he says, look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mold your field are crying out against you. In other words, the uncut paycheck is calling out to God saying injustice has occurred in this place. I know what some of you are thinking. My paycheck cries out to God too sometimes. I look at my paycheck and it says, Lord, more money, more money. And so James goes on to explain he uses this terminology. He says, the cries of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Now, our English Bible translates it Lord Almighty, but literally, the word for Lord Almighty there is Lord of hosts. More literally, the Lord of the armies. In other words, what James is calling God is God the warrior, the commander-in-chief of the heavenly armies. He's emphasizing God's ability to bring quick, swift, and powerful judgment to earth. We live in an economically very diverse world in which few people own the great majority of the wealth of the world. We live in a world that is unbalanced. I've had the opportunity to travel to many countries of the world, including Africa a couple of times, and South America, and Asia. And although there are countries that live at a medium level of income higher than the United States of America, they are very rare. Most of the world looks at the way that we are living, especially in a city like Chicago, and they say, you are the privileged, the wealthy, the resource of this world. And so I want us to never forget the fact that we have been born into a country and a place that has offered us a lot more opportunities than the great majority of the people in this world have. 
And as we are tempted to complain about our resources and tempted to complain about the disparity that exists even in our country, our nation, in our city, let us never forget that there's a huge disparity between us and other people around the world as well. And that God ultimately will not judge people because they're wealthy, but ultimately judges us by what we do with our wealth, especially if we've used our wealth to oppress other people and bring about injustice. Secondly, he not only tells us that we need to watch out for the money trap, but he also goes on to tell us that we need to be patient. Don't give up because justice is on its way. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, be patient then. How many of you struggle with patience? I know that is not one of the virtues that I am strongest at. I realize I like things done quickly. I, it always feels like it needs to be faster. And I realize that waiting is a hard thing for me to do. But he says, be patient then. If you know that God is going to bring justice, if you know that ultimately we have a judge... Because he tells us at the, in, in the earlier verses, he reminds us that the Lord himself is, is coming. He reminds us that God the judge is at the door. And so he says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until what? Until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So James then says, some of you are growing extremely impatient with the unfair treatment that you're living in. You're growing extremely impatient because you feel that the unfairness done to you will never be judged. That some people are never going to give an account for the injustice that they perpetrated. How many of you know that sometimes it looks like that? All of us have felt like some people are getting away with a lot of injustice and a lot of corruption and no one seems to bring them to accountability. But what James is saying is don't buy into that mindset because ultimately the Lord is coming. And when the Lord of hosts, the judge, the almighty God comes, he will have everybody give account for what they have done. So he, he says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. And he compares us to a farmer. He says, the farmer that goes out to the field, sows his seed, and then he waits. What does he wait for? He waits for the autumn rain and then the latter rain. There are two rains that happen for most farmers. The farmers would sow the seed at the end of summer, and in the fall, it would rain. That rain would water the seeds that had been planted. And then as the plants began to grow, later on, uh, there was a second rain that would come, and that was the rain that would cause the harvest to grow. The farmers didn't know when the rain was coming, but they knew that it was coming. They knew that eventually the rain would come, and when the rain came, it would help them get the harvest that they had been waiting for. And that's exactly what God is saying to some of us 
who are living in unfair circumstances. What God is saying is, I want you to be patient. You don't know when, my when I'm going to bring justice and judgment, but it's coming. You don't know exactly the time or the moment, but you can be guaranteed that the justice and the judgment of God will eventually come and make the crooked straight and make the unjust, what, what has been perpetuated as injustice, he will make it just again. So he says, be patient. Now, I've gotten a few tickets in life. <laughs> Driving tickets. And I've deserved most of those tickets. Most of them I've deserved. I sped and I got a speeding ticket. I remember a couple of years ago, I was actually on my way to church. I was driving in my car with my wife, by the way. And I was going 55 miles an hour, but there was a state trooper that was in the lane next to me. And my wife said to me, why are you going so slow? <laughs> and I said to her, there's a state trooper right there and the speed limit's 55. And she said to me, but you know, there is some grace of about 10 miles an hour. Just like Eve told Adam, right? <laughs> so because I listened to the woman... I stepped on the gas pedal just a little bit higher, and I went about 62, and sure enough, that state trooper decided, he looked over at me, he pulled behind me, put his lights on, and pulled me to the side. When I rolled down the window, he said, what possessed you to see a fully marked state trooper right beside you, and that you would violate the speed limit? I wanted to say my wife, but I, I, I didn't say it. I said, I'm sorry, sir, I was in a hurry. And he said, what were you in a hurry to go to? I said, well, believe it or not, church. He said, church? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor, and I was on my way to church. He looked at me. He went back to his car, checked me out a little bit, came back, and then he, he said, I'm not going to write you a ticket. I'm going to show you grace. And then he said, Godspeed. He was messing with my mind. God's speed. So I don't know if he's saying bye or if he's saying go at God's speed or God's watching your speed. But I couldn't get at God's speed. He, he told me God's speed. So I've, I've kept that in mind. I got to go God's speed. But there was recently, a few months ago, I got a ticket. And I've deserved a lot of tickets. And I take those tickets if I'm not shown grace. But this time, I knew that I did not deserve a ticket. And so I contested the ticket, and I had to wait a little while, but I thought if I get before the right judge, the just judge, that just judge is going to realize that I don't deserve a ticket. Now, I had to wait, and I went to court, and I saw all these people plead guilty, and when they asked me, I said I plead non-guilty, and then they had me wait some more. But I thought to myself, well, when I stand before the judge, a just judge, I expect that I'll get justice. Now, I waited, 
It was patient. I wasn't sure exactly how it would work out. And finally, I stood before the judge, and the judge allowed me to defend myself. And so I presented my case, and the law enforcement officer presented his case, and I was respectful, and I told him the circumstances. And I was so elated when the judge hit the little platform and said, your ticket's been dismissed. And I thought, yes, I don't have to pay the ticket. It felt so good to finally stand before a judge and be vindicated and justice happen. The same thing is being told us in Scripture, that we may have to wait. It may feel like it takes longer than it should. It may feel like it's never going to happen. People are going to tell us, justice will never come your way. But what scripture is telling us is that there is a God Almighty who is named Lord of hosts, sovereign God of the universe, who in the end, if we are patient and stand firm, he will come through and he will bring justice. It says in verse 8, you too be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Yeah. What happens to a lot of us is that we wait, but we don't stand firm. Boy, that's a great place to park our thoughts, isn't it? Dr. Mark Job on Moody Presents. In our study of the book of James, he's helping us to trade our earthly perspective for a heavenly one. And there's so much more to explore in this message when life isn't fair, so I do hope you'll make it a point to connect with us next week. And if you're looking for a terrific two-minute podcast, guaranteed to fit your schedule and help you acquire a heavenly perspective, we'll sign up for Today in the Word podcast at moodypresents.org. I'm John Gager. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.